What's up, everybody? It's your old friend, John Middlecoff. I'm here to tell you about our friends at Game Time. Here's what I need you to do. Go to your smartphone, download a little app called Game Time. Baseball season's in full swing. Oracle Park. Been there a million times. Never doesn't live up to the hype. Go get yourself some garlic fries, a brewski, maybe uh, some ice cream. They have very good Ghirardelli ice cream there. And when you do that, promo code HAM. So download the Game Time app. Your first pair of tickets, promo code HAM, H-A-M, save $20. The A's, only going to be in the Bay Area for the rest of this season. You probably can basically go for free. Just buy a pair of tickets to any baseball game. They also have comedy shows if you want to check one of those out, or concerts. Game Time app, promo code HAM, save yourself $20. We don't even need to thank you. Just hammer that promo code. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Medica! Hey, Beebs! You uh, pretty locked in on the uh, Hall of Fame... John, this is like the streak continues of the Hall of Fame game sneaking up on me Thursday morning. It does feel like this year it flew a little under the radar because usually the hype of it is based around the the class, right? It's usually you know Favre's going in this year, uh, Tim Brown. I don't I don't know, just a player or something. So you're you're ready for that's how I kind of know, not necessarily the game. And then all of a sudden the game was played, yeah, and it was terrible. No, it, it was. Beyond terrible. It was unwatchable. But the broadcast was not unwatchable. I thought Al, Al, Chris, Michelle, they hit the ground running like it's midseason form. Just incredible talent from those guys to just not act like they haven't called a game in eight months. I was impressed. It's the only reason I watched. Yeah, I, I gave it, you know, I watched the beginning of it. Uh, I was disappointed that I missed the first pass interference challenge. I'd forgotten about that. And, uh, but you know, you asked me the other day on the pot, the last pot, like, isn't the Hall of Fame coming up? And I was like, ah, I think it's still a couple weeks away. Wrong about that. Well, cause, cause games really start next week, right? Thursday, Friday, Saturday are just the first preseason games. I saw a clip of McVeigh that, you know, the, some of the joint practices are going to start, I think, the next couple days. For a lot of people, joint practice for the team they're end up going to play in the first and second preseason week. Cause you don't joint practice probably midway through August. you got to do it, like, right now because you don't want to give away any secrets or anything. Mm. Two secrets. Mm-hmm. So I, I think we're going to see a lot of joint practice these next two weeks for just teams that are going to play each other, which is smart. But I, I the broadcast was a 10. The game was about a 1.5. The game was terrible. I couldn't it's believe. unwatchable, guy, football-wise. That, that Matt Schaub is throwing NFL passes still. I mean, blows me away. Like, I, I really can't believe that. His first it's pass one of the went, cr- I don't even know, like into some, the back of somebody's head. It was knocked down at the line of scrimmage. He's terrible, guy. I mean, he's he's awful. 
He's worse than a lot of these guys that are out there that are undrafted free agents that are not going to be in the NFL. He's he's beyond competent. I can, there's just you can't function with him as a as a quarterback. Whether it's in a preseason game, clearly he couldn't do it in a regular season game. He hasn't been good guy since the year before the Raiders got him, and that's not three years ago. That was 2014, Derek Carr's rookie year. Think about that. Yeah. Well, then I googled. You, yeah, this was how great. much money's made. He made twenty-seven million dollars when you factor in that last year in Houston, first year in Oakland. I guess it's one year in Oakland, and then just once he became a backup, he's been racking up. You know, probably averaging about three and a half a year. You're saying since he got bad, he's made twenty-seven million. Well, it's a little unfair the way I did it because he kind of got bad overnight in Houston. Remember that year where he had like a stretch of five straight games with a pick six. Mm. And then the Raiders took a flyer on him. And a lot of people were tweeting at me like, I can't believe the Raiders paid him $8 million. I'm like, well, it's easy to say now at the time they were so desperate. It's not that crazy. I think it's crazy after that season that he survived. Like just on talent alone, after the Raiders season, what he should have been is someone signs him and he gets cut in training camp. He's out of the league in 2015. Yeah, I thought he'd be somebody's quarterback coach by now. Yeah. Well, he's 37 years old. I just texted a buddy in the league because we were talking before the podcast. What do you think his Wonderlick score test is? I got the number. What do you think it is? Uh, what's the highest you can get? 50. 50? I think he was like a 38, 41. Yeah, 35. Wow. That, but he said, I, I'm not at the office right now, but off the top of my head, I think it's 35 plus. So it's it's really high. And what we always say, a backup quarterback, it's not, it, they're meaningless. Because a lot of people texted me or DM'd me after we went on the rant about Peterman. It was like, what about just a game or two? Well, the, the entire point was, that game or two, you'd be choosing between Glennon and Peterman. So the end result, you're going to get mad if you lose it no matter what. But it'd be easier to look back, we should have done something else. Well, that something else would be Mike Glennon. You, you're something else, and, and you... The Raiders, you'd say, just in a vacuum, their backup quarterback competition are two former draft picks and starters. Like, you can't ask for much more, right? Well, yeah. I mean, John, to me, I've never understood these arguments about backups because a third of the league, about a quarter of the league, can't find a starter. So I know there's not enough quarterbacks to start. So I know the backups are all flawed. All of them are flawed. So that's where I think coaches make money is like, that's what, you know, not to make it about Shanahan, but that's where part of, I think, the appreciation we have for him comes from is what he did with Nick Mullins. Well, to me, you either, here's what you either do then. You either take a Mike Glennon or a Peterman, or you use a draft pick when you have a franchise quarterback on a quarterback. And a lot of people freak out when you do that. Like, you're using a fourth-round pick on Connor Cook. People hate that. Well, if it's Connor Cook, they should. Yeah, but I'm saying most... Most players in defense of Connor Cook are Connor Cook. That's true. No, no, that's 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 fair. Sorry, I was thinking like, more well, about... We could have got Dak in the fourth. Well, yeah, that guy doesn't really exist. I was thinking more about Zach Wilson. Was that his name? No. Tyler. Tyler Wilson. Well, that's the worst case. But I, I there's a reason these guys... To me, once you get past like the second round quarterbacks, it's a huge crapshoot with these guys because they're clearly... They have a major flaw... 
I would say especially after the second day. Like once you get to the third day, so fourth through seventh round, you're taking a quarterback. The likelihood of him being a functional player, you'd say, is pretty low, right? Just him having a five-year career as a backup. Well, yeah. Is Nick Mullins in the NFL in five years? Maybe he's probably the not, backup, but he's but... gonna but he's gonna end up having a lot longer career than ninety five percent of undrafted free agent quarterbacks. He, I'd say, he's a little different because when you do get drafted as a quarterback, let's say in the fifth round, you have a little longer shelf life, fair or not, just because oh that guy was drafted, right? We say the same thing like if the Niners cut Solomon Thomas tomorrow, he would get multiple opportunities because yeah. he was drafted so high. Now, yeah. it's different with a first-rounder, but you get my drift. Mm-hmm. John, this podcast, as you know, and everybody listening who's been listening for a while, you know. If you're new, we appreciate it. Subscribe, rate, review. Uh, this podcast is brought to you by our uh, good friends at Ease and EaseWellness.com. That's E-A-Z-E.com and E-A-Z-E-Wellness.com. Just had their anniversary guy. They've been going strong for five-plus years. They've partnered up doing big things since they partnered up with me and you. They've partnered up with our friends at Outside Lands. Oh, well, yeah. Not my, my friends or your friends because I've never been. But I know a lot of our listeners probably dabbling. Outside Lands, they're going to have this thing called the Grasslands inside Outside Lands. And you see how sweet Ease is if you haven't already used it. Again, like you said, Ease.com has all the THC products, vapes, which I love, sour diesel. Uh, they have edibles. they got everything. Or easewellness.com, which is all CBD, and they deliver all over America. It's like Amazon of CBD. Use the promo code HAM. Over $50, you get $20 off, which it's easy to do. Trust me, you start browsing around, you can find some stuff. And uh, on easewellness.com or ease.com, go check it out. Promo code HAM. We love Ease. They've been, uh, you know, just on the forefront of sponsoring this podcast and taking us to new levels. That's right. Uh, and if you've already used the promo code, share it with your friends. We definitely appreciate you sharing the uh, promo code HAM. Uh, and also, don't forget, John, coming up with uh, Grasslands, uh, ahead of Grasslands slash Outside Lands, uh, Ease.com has a bunch of festival deals beginning August 7th through August 9th. You can stock up with special deals August 7th to August 9th on Ease.com. Guy, if you guys, any of our listeners, if you go to Outside Lands and you're in front of the Grasslands like setup or you're inside, take us a picture and, oh, yeah. and link us on yeah. Twitter, Instagram, whatever. We we want some we want some visuals. We we, we want to get the, the conversation going on social, guy. It's a good call, John. That's a very good call. Promo hashtag at promo code ham, please. Mm-hmm. Uh all right, the uh the CBA expires, John, after the twenty twenty season. The NFL CBX buys after the 2020 season. Um, uh, preseason games, I don't think it's my perception, are getting worse. And it's not any big secret why less good players play in them than ever before. They're, they're like bowl games. Less good players play in that's them. The, that's the worst one last night. But I, I, I'm with you. Why is it the worst one? Well, because you play five games when you play in the Hall of Fame game. Oh, so right, right, you're right. you're just you're definitely not doing anything. But I think the Rams, as you said, play nobody. The Niners. I think a lot a lot more teams have implemented that. Yeah, to me, guess. it's like bowl games. It's to me, it's like the gap between the non-power five, the group of five slash FCS games, and the power five games of college football have gotten worse. Um, I just think the gap is growing, and in the NFL, 
you just see more and more teams playing guys less and less. It's been going on for years. I mean, the games have been, you know, maybe there'll be one game. But, like, to me, the thing that we've always said about the preseason, right, is, well, just get me to the third game. That game will be good for a half. Not good, but just uh, it'll be it'll worth It'll feel watching. like a regular season game for a half, yeah. Yeah, it'll just, I'm going to see real starters. But that even feels like it. We're trend. It's the trend has begun. Where that we're going to see. We'll see this year. I'll be interested to see week three. I mean, kind of interested. Yeah, I, I think last night is the ultimate. It's great in theory. Everyone's football's back. Historically, you and I have done countdowns, and then once it's actually there, you're like, ah, oh, this kind of sucks because there, there are two elements that make it really suck. Guy are one, when the quarterback doesn't play and you immediately go, if it's not a rookie quarterback, like I looked up and Drew Locke was in, I'm like, I'll watch a couple snaps. Sure. So if you have a rookie quarterback, people will watch. For you know, if you're especially if you're that's your team, like if you're a Bronco fan, I want to see what Drew Locke looks like. But even he only played like a quarter. So the quarterbacks are missing, that totally ruins the you know, the product. And the offensive line play guy just the last five or six years has gotten dramatically worse in the NFL. Well, that means when you're talking about preseason games, your backups and your third stringers are way worse than they once were. It's it's hard to function as an offense. And if your offense, and you and I aren't, we're not rooting for Big 12 here. Right? We like defense. But I, I can't watch when you're just three and out and you don't even budge sniffing a yard because your offensive line, your tackles are like turnstiles. There, there's nothing like... Last night there was a play, because I, I watched a little bit at the beginning, and then I stopped paying attention, I ran some errands, I went to go pick up some food, come back, and I start watching the like the fourth quarter, and there's always this play in preseason games where the offensive lineman gets smoked, not on a pass play, but a run play, and the running back just gets mollywhopped right when he takes the handoff, and then the offensive lineman that just totally got him killed is standing over him trying to help him out because he... He wants to like look like he at least did something to get his guy up, and the running back's kind of like waving him away, like you just screwed me, and everyone's so angry, and it's just a disaster. It, it really is. From a gambling standpoint, though, guy, I would hammer the unders in some of these games because it's it's going to be hard for any of these teams to score. Yeah, I did. Somebody had a tweet actually before the game yesterday about hammering the under and just the you still got to watch a preseason game waiting. To see if you're right, you got to get through it. But I'm with you. But I don't want to watch it. I think most people don't want to watch it. Uh, and so you know, the NFL started. They floated the thing as you. We talked about this uh, during the off season about taking the preseason to two games, but expanding the regular season to 18 games. Um, do you think we get a two game preseason in 2021? I was actually just typing in to my f- Twitter to see. Last night, the Hall of Fame game between the Broncos and the Falcons drew a 4.1 household rating. I don't know, relative to like, because a lot of people were tweeting me, like, you can talk shit all you want. I bet it still outrates a lot of like NFL and NBA games. Yeah. No, I'm, when I say nobody, I mean relative to NFL stuff. I don't mean nobody actually watches. I I think that it is a borderline 100% lock that we get the two preseason games. I don't know if necessarily you think the two preseason games automatically means we're getting 18 games. No. Because I do think that's somewhat of a sticking point. But maybe it was someone from the Sports Business Journal or someone wrote about it. It is a lot of money. Like Part of the owners bringing to the table here is it's an extra 2 point whatever billion in revenue a year. Those extra two weeks of games. 
you get half of that. So it's not we're not just doing more games because we think it's fun. You, you it, who? The players? The players. Yeah. Well, this so is they the, the con- players don't plan it. So what do they care? No, but I, I mean the 18 game schedule. Oh. So like part of it is we go to two preseason games to 18 games because they like the 20 games because they like selling the package of 10. Right. 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 So 10 home. That so instead yeah. of the 10 being right eight right now, what's the 10? Eight and two. Then it would become nine and one, and it, you, that extra game meet, has a little more juice to it, right? You're like, I can live with the one preseason game. I get nine home get play or home regular season games, and the revenue this it impacts the salary cap, it impacts salary. Like it's a it's a financial thing they have laying on the table. That's I think at the end of the day, and the players have been furious about it forever. You notice how people kind of shut up a little bit about Thursday night games. Everyone's making more money. Uh, it's not quite as bad as it once was. And let's call it what it is. The ratings are huge. Everyone's making more cash. And the 18-game schedule, I'm with you. I don't think it's a lock, but I, I think money talks and shit walks, and it's a lot of money. It'd be one thing if it was, you know, 1% addition to the salary cap. But when you're talking $2 billion a year, how that gets distributed, you know, the 50-50 split, whatever, it's it's pretty lucrative for the union to think about. I I think we're headed there. You get 18 games. You get maybe two buys. I don't know exactly the logistics of the schedule, like how you do it. I start thinking two buys. That means every team would probably have to have a buy before week eight, and you get another one after week eight. It'd be a little complicated, but it does kind of feel like we're headed there, guy. Uh, yeah, you convinced me. I changed my mind. I think we're going. I, I think ultimately three-year careers, four-year careers – you try to maximize the money you can make. Also, you got potentially more games that you can play in, right? And the way that the game has changed, I think one of the things that's happened uh, with Thursday Night Football, at the same time, NFL teams practice less. Big hits are reduced uh, to some degree in the sport. So maybe it's easier to survive it. I think they've dialed in how to balance it out for everybody, too. So I, I, I got one for you, though. What if they just did 18 regular season games and no preseason games? Well, yeah, that'd be great. But I don't think – I mean, I unlike college football where you get three warm-up games if you want them, there are no warm-up games in the NFL. Like, I do think there is a value to the preseason. Well, and I'd say the biggest difference in college football and the NFL – in college football, you're keeping everyone on your team, right? And you can – your freshman stuff, scrimmage throughout the – in the NFL, you're cutting 37 guys. And doing, I wrote an article this week for The Athletic just con some of the logistics of how this all works. When it went from 80 to 90, and then I had kind of forgotten about this, but they implemented it a couple years ago, is they don't even have the two cutdown days. There's just the one big one now. Because a lot of teams complained that you do the initial cutdown from 90 to 75 before the fourth preseason game, and everyone's like, well, we ain't fucking playing starters in the fourth preseason game. We want those extra 15 guys for the fourth game. So the league kind of acquiesced, but it does make it a little more complicated for front offices because you have 15 times 32. That's a lot more players available at the end of the cutdown date, but it makes the fourth preseason game way easier. So you're right. I, I, there is definitely a value with evaluating. You could argue just the preseason games, if you just have the two and the 18, are just playing backup guys to see who's going to make the team. It's just it's like a tryout yeah. for those guys, right? Yeah, I, I, I just like there. You do. I, I think you still need those. You just don't need yeah. four of them. They, they definitely bring a value for for the players. And they benefit the young guys that want the tape, right? 
Yeah, I, I just think it helps. Yeah, and just if you're a coach, don't you just like to me? It's just fundamentally yeah. as a coach, you need to evaluate. Like I watched yesterday the first play of the game, or maybe not the first play, but I did see early, Juwan Winfrey, rookie wide receiver. Now he was a sixth rounder, I think. Ball hits him in the Kevin Hogan hits him in the hands on third down. He drops it. Bad like, drop. Yeah, I saw that too. It's like uh, that that play to that guy. Now again, he was drafted, but it was the sixth round. It wasn't the third. Like that play matters. How many of those you Fuck get? Yeah. Well, I'll tell you this. So if I you only have two preseason games, that game matter, that play matters even more. I didn't realize who that was, but think now on the pressure on him going into the next couple preseason games, which being a six-round pick, you're going to play a lot. You better catch the ball if you want any chance of making the team. You, who, What team was that guy on? The Broncos. And think about this guy, because a lot of people, I get a lot of Bronco fans hitting me up in messages like, you know, we could be okay. And I'm like, yeah, your defense could be pretty good. But I have two simple questions. One, is Flacco good anymore? And two, who's he throwing to? And a lot of people be like, well, we drafted a guy last year in the second round, and Emmanuel's coming back off this thing called a torn Achilles. I'm like, uh, don't love your wide receivers. Now, they did draft Noah Fant in the first round. And yeah. sometimes, if you're a team, you hit on a guy like a six-round pick. But if you're going to make the team as a six-round pick, even on a team that has openings at wide receiver – you sure as hell better catch. It's one thing if like he's been catching it all in preseason or in the practices. Well, that's great, but then you get the lights on and the coaches are all watching and in a big spot on third down where it hits you in the fucking hands. That's a. I don't want to say it negates everything you've done in practice, but if you what you've done in practice is a hundred, that drops you right back down to like seventy five. Right. As somebody tweeted, because then everyone in the back of their mind like, can we trust this guy in a game? Because that's the thing with. Football, unlike the other sports, like in basketball, you can just keep working through it. You just keep playing, let them keep getting some minutes. In baseball, just keep getting them some ABs. Like in football, your ABs are for a young guy, and that's it. Like we can say the preseason or the practices matter, and they do to coaches probably more than they definitely do to people like me. But even a coach will acknowledge, well, the fucking pressure's on when the guy's in a different color jersey on a different color team. And your quarterback in a, in a must-down hits you in the hands. I'm already down on that kid. I don't even know his story. Well, but if someone tweeted at us, uh, Noah Fant dropped his first pass, too. Like Because well, we, we were talking on that po- uh, uh, two, two pods ago about natural pass catchers. Like, hmm. The, the thing little with him nerves, is... Little nerves. He can drop some balls. He was picked 20th overall. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, he's... Uh, but, but I think just big picture for him... I know we got Raider fans that listen to this podcast, and I mean he's just going to be talked about a lot because he was drafted so high. If he can't catch, guy, like his value, and that's kind of the question mark on him as a player. He's not Gronk as a blocker. He's a route runner. He's an athlete. Well, he doesn't have good hands. It's not. Well, this is where you go, George. We remember when George Kittle was on our podcast. George Kittle was on our pod. Yeah, heard uh, of him. Second team all pro, right? We yeah. only a tight end record for receiving yards. Um, we talked to him about all like all these other guys that got drafted. Do they owe you money? Right? Like that was the joke. They owe you money because you paved the way for Iowa tight ends. Two of them went in the first round. But the flip is like, did these guys get overvalued because of George Kittle's NFL impact? That happens too. Yeah, and he, he, he jokingly said a million, they owe me a million bucks. But in all seriousness, how could they not have been somewhat overvalued, right? Especially, I'll say this, 
TJ Hawkinson was a complete player. I think everyone in the league viewed him as a really good player. They thought, like, what if George Kittle was coming out right now and we knew what George Kittle could become, does he get drafted in the top 15? If we knew what, if you knew what he was going to do last year, if, he's a top. If I if I could give like Howie Rose and all those guys, he's a top of the world pick. Yeah, he's a top so potentially five, depending on how good the draft is. So I think a lot of people in the league think that T.J. Hawkinson can become that complete player. This guy was a little bit more of a hybrid, but two things: one, Noah Fant bitched and moaned because he didn't play that much because this guy was playing. So there were questions like, you know, is he kind of a pain in the ass? His dad, I guess, was always talking. And two, his hands aren't natural. So it's like, Elway, is that pick going to come back and bite you in the ass? Now, they traded back to get him. But still, you use 20th overall pick. He's 20th overall pick, right? Even if you trade back to get him. The Niners trade back from two to three to get Solomon. You don't hear anyone, well, at least they traded back and got some value. Yeah. The problem was they traded back to get some value. Then they used some of that ammo to trade back up to get Ruben. It was like, oh, it's a double whammy swing and a miss. <laughs> we got a lot of uh, preseason game takes for two guys that didn't really that hate the game. <laughs> you know what's funny? For all the uh, – and every, every, people have been doing this for the beginning of time when you talk about drafts. Definitely in football and, and in basketball too. Well, if we knew what we knew now, there is no chance – the Kawhi's fallen to 17. In the history of the world, there has never been a situation 12. where if we knew what we knew now yeah. and you redraft, there's zero. There's never been a redraft. Yeah. <laughs> if I knew what that I knew now, I would have got on that plane that crashed. I mean, yeah. <laughs> you know? So I, I, I love that take as much. I'm so telling you, guys, if, if, if the league had George Kittle's film last in 2018, does he go in the top six? Well, yeah, John, he does. But guess what's never happening? The league ever getting his film, and he's reinserted into the draft. Well, does A.J. Jenkins go undrafted? You asked we me went on an A.J. Jenkins deep dive today. Yeah, we did. This was not a shallow dive. This was a deep dive. Ask, just for everybody listening, can you give them the trivia question you gave me that I got really wrong about A.J. Jenkins? Do you remember? How many career catches does How he have? How many career catches? Just take a moment, if you're listening. How many career catches... A.J. Jenkins, what number was he pick? Like 27, 28? 30. 30. And what, what year was that? 2012? That was 2012. Okay. How many? How does that make any sense? What? Oh, because 2011 they lost in the, the NFC Championship game to the... To the Seahawks. Uh, no, to the New York Giants. This was oh, yeah, after yeah, Harbaugh's yeah. first you. year. Uh, okay. My guess was 100. 100 catches. Do you, can you, I know you knew the answer ahead of time. Do you know what your guess would have been? Yeah, if I hadn't seen the number, I, maybe not 100, but definitely something high, you know, 80. I, you know, one season of like 35 catches and then a couple more cobbled together, a couple 15s maybe. It would not have been anywhere near what the actual number is. Which is? 17 career catches. Not but as I a think the, for his whole career. To me, the most telling part about A.J. Jenkins' career guy, and I think he's almost at this point undervalued as an all-time first-round bust. I'm talking all-time. Like Jamarcus Russell and all these guys. Jamarcus still played three seasons for the Raiders. Now, he was the number one overall pick. A.J. Jenkins, guy. A.J. Jenkins was a first-round pick. He did not make it to his second year. No injury. Pure health. 100% fine. To the second year as a 49er. He got through one season. 
and he was a healthy scratch as a first-round pick on a team that did not have wide receivers, that was good, but again, a healthy scratch for, let me read the exact I think it was 13. Yeah, he played in three of the 16 regular season games and was targeted one time. I mean, that has to be non-quarterback, like guys who, sorry, keep going. One target. (laughs) Think about this. A first-round pick, a wide receiver for an NFL team. Ends his, and he's healthy. This is, doesn't have a catastrophic injury. Ends his 49er career with one career target. One career target, guy. One career target. How the fuck is that possible? He didn't make it the following year till even August 20th. So he made it through like two preseason games. So no, no catches. I think the only way this makes sense and I would love for someone to do a deep dive to get like Balky and Harbaugh on the record on this one, that this has a huge feel that that Harbaugh did not want this player, the coaching staff did not want this player, the front office did, they hated him, then everyone realized really early he was way over his head, but the coaching staff was never going to give him a chance unless he had proven them dead wrong and he was like elite, which he clearly wasn't. But one target... No catches. One drop, you said? Uh, well, the one thing he'll always take away, he did appear. He did dress for the Super Bowl. Wow. That's actually significant. He appeared in the game, but did not have a target or anything. So he got to play in the Super Bowl. I don't remember that. Uh, wow. And then he was traded. It's a pretty unique trade because you're like, oh, I bet he was traded for like a late-round flyer. Player-for-player player deal. Jonathan yeah. Baldwin, who had been drafted the previous year, by Scott Pioli in Kansas City, just straight up. Just Jonathan Baldwin for A.J. Jenkins. Basically like, yeah, we got a trash can, you got a trash can. You want to swap trash cans? (sighs) Like, I'll give you one. How many career catches do you think Jonathan Baldwin had? Well, I... First round pick the year before pick 26. AJ had 17. 20? I mean, let, more? Barely? Because he had an he extra had, year? He had 40, 44 career catches, okay. which I'd still say is dramatically low, right? Even for a bust. He can hang his hat. He does have two career NFL touchdowns. But for AJ Jenkins, being a healthy scratch for 13 games in your rookie year, it's one thing if you're a quarterback and you just don't play because, you know, you've drafted, but you have a starter. But or that's a mid-round gotta, pick. Or a mid-round pick. Yeah, but, but for a first-rounder, that's got to be... I don't know if that's the record, but it's got to be up there. For a, for a non-QB, yeah. For a team that needs what you, in theory, the position you have, is their position is not great, right? Because I'm pretty sure that year, Crabtree had a torn Achilles. So they just... They needed bodies. Crabtree came back later in the season. Or it might have been the following year. Either way... Either way, if he had torn it the following year, they traded A.J. Jenkins when Crabtree had an Achilles or he hurt his Achilles and he still wasn't. Like, that's insane. That's it's one of the all-time busts. I, I, I don't think it gets its proper love when just busts are casually talked about. Now, part of it, I think, is it fair to say when you're drafted 30th overall, it doesn't have the same feel that when a guy's drafted like second overall. Yeah. Right? But for, it's probably the biggest 49er bust. Do you have his preseason stats? I don't even remember. I could look it up. I just remember everyone hating him so much. 
You know, just the beat reporters like, it's so ugly. He can't do anything. God, it can't be that bad. It's also a very good example of why teams... So in the preseason with the 49ers... Yeah, he didn't... I mean, he had eight catches for 122 yards and a touchdown. He wasn't that terrible. A couple long touchdowns... Yeah, I mean, it it wasn't as ugly as you think. Let's just hope that... uh, Who'd they draft this year? Oh, Bosa. <laughs> Bosa's not like that. Let's talk about that, John. Uh, because Quinn and Williams made a highlight play on the internet. We think preseason games don't matter. How much stock do we put in one sweet play that Quinn and Williams made? The Jets tweeted it out. I saw you retweeted it. Uh, Stu Gotts, I thought, had a great tweet. He's like, I can't stop. I cannot stop watching this video. And he was right. Like, it just, I watched it probably seven, eight times. Just boom. Quentin Williams comes out of nowhere. Looks well, incredible. You, well, he was so fast. Do you know what it was? Clearly, they're doing a drill where they're not tackling to the ground. It's just thud because he does not wrap his – he realized right away, like, I already hit this guy harder than I'm really kind of supposed to because you're just supposed to kind of keep him up. You're not mm-hmm. supposed to hit these guys to the ground. But he was back there so fucking fast. And his comp constantly from – all the NFL.com guys and people in the league kept being like, Warren Sapp, Warren Sapp, Warren Sapp. This guy's quick like a cat. But the thing with Warren Sapp, what made Warren Sapp so just uniquely, you know, different from everyone else, Warren was like six feet tall. He was really short. He was kind of like an Aaron Donald. Like, how is this guy this good and this big of a midget? Quinton Williams is big. You know, he's 6'3", 300. But he's moving like Warren Sapp and Aaron Donald. Are, if if you want to convince me that Middlecoff stop comparing him to Odell Beckham Jr., I, this is I, I what, understand. Your, this is I understand exactly your where I wanted to go with this. I hadn't told you. This. I understand your argument because yep. it, it's not that simple, and maybe it would have cost a little bit more. It, it can't be viewed that way, though. I do think at the end of the day, if the Niners like, we'll give you number two overall pick for for Odell Beckham Jr. Maybe the Giants say no, but at the end of the day, do the Giants? would they have gotten more credit for being like, hey, listen, we told the Niners no. They just wanted number two overall for Odell Beckham. Instead, we took this Cleveland offer. What offer do you think they take? What was the Cleveland offer again? 17. Oh, yeah, we peppers. talked about this the other day. Yeah, the late yeah. third. But remember, we got sidetracked because we started talking about like what they have, what they actually need. They needed a safety. But so I'm just saying, on the surface, yeah. if it got out that they had said no to the Niners, are they getting destroyed in New York? Uh, they got... Well, the Daniel Jones thing is part of that argument too, right? But I don't – I mean, yes, I think people would say the right offer to take is the Niners offer, the number two pick. Yeah. Yes. So, okay. So let's even just, for argument's sake, let's only compare him to his draft class because we said what made the Niners spot so – put such a big microscope on the front office was once it was pretty clear, even as the Cardinals were lying, and we talked about this all spring – well, if Kyler's going to go one to either the Cardinals or if someone trades up to get him, that means the Niners are going to have the number one pick in the draft in a defensive draft. And what do they need? Defensive players. So we're going to find out whether they think Josh Allen, Devin White, Quinn and Williams, Nick Bosa, of the group of all these blue chip guys, which the NFL's been telling us for years, right? This draft's going to be fucking loaded with defensive players. In the first 20 picks, I have to go back and look at the numbers, but beside Daniel Jones and Kyler Murray, 
and a, maybe a couple offensive linemen. It was all front seven players, guy. It was D tackles, D line, pass rushers, and linebackers. And we're like, okay, let's see who John Lynch and they valued the most. And we were a little unsure. We're like, yeah, I'm, I'm hearing some rumors, Nick Bosa, but I'm not 100% sure. And soon enough, they take Nick Bosa. Well, there were a lot of people in the league, including this podcast, were like, you know, I probably want to take Quentin Williams. You said, no, you said you would take Quentin Williams. You didn't like Nick. Yeah, I'm just not as big a Nick Bosa guy. Now, I understood, like, Quentin Williams was not not a four-year starter. He was a one-year wonder. Now, his one-year wonder, partly, you got to put it in context. Well, why was he starting at Alabama? I don't know, because the previous two years, they'd produced eight first-round defensive linemen. And, oh, he's a senior? No, he's actually a redshirt sophomore. So, like, if he would have came back to school and had two great years, he still would have come out as an underclassman. He's 20 years old, guy. Because <laughs> that was the knock. Like, one-year wonder. Yeah, his one-year wonder is kind of unique, <laughs> you know? Right. He, he, ba- he backed up three dudes that went in the first round as a redshirt freshman. So, yeah, it's why he didn't play that much. Just that play alone, I'm not trying to overreact to, a, to one play on Twitter. Is Nick Bosa going to have a better play in practice over the month of August? <laughs> so, uh, I saw the video. My first reaction was, I know I'm not supposed to overreact to this, but oh, fuck. That was my, just like, oh, no. Oh, God. Uh, uh, I know this is not supposed to mean anything, but I kind of think it might mean something. That was my first reaction. Now, you know, by September 15th, we might go, oh, no, Nick Bosa made like three plays like that week one, so it was cool. They, they do have one of the shittier offensive lines as viewed by the league. I don't even like that. Okay, I like know. we throw all this logic in, and some somebody listening to this is like, you guys are, it's not logical to watch one play on Twitter. That is, if you are saying that right now, you're right. You are absolutely right. But I can't help but feel the way I felt when I watched it, even though you can't unsee it, guy. You can't you, unsee you it. You can't unsee it. And I still haven't seen it from Nick. I haven't seen the one. All I know is I've seen one from Quinn Williams. I haven't seen the one from Nick Bosa. That's all I know. That's all because, my body knows uh, in its heart, in my soul, that I can't. I, I can't convince it with all my logic to feel differently than that, even though well, I know it's, because, it's dumb. Because you know what every human does, and Stu Gotts is a Jets fan, so he's. But every human, after you watch it the first time. You're like, I got that couldn't have been what I just witnessed, right? right? And you watch it again, you're like, God, it really was that badass. Like that looks like what everyone wants Nadamakan Sue to be that he never quite became, right? What Aaron Donald did kind of become, what Fletcher Cox does every once in a while. It's like when you have an unstoppable defensive tackle, it's like having the biggest bully at the schoolyard. It's like, you ain't fucking with us. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you can't block this guy. And I got news for you. He's 20 years old. He blesses himself after he sneezes. He does. He barely even knows how to operate yet. Bless you. Thank you. But think about this guy. He is. He's like a piece of clay, kind of, because he is. He's super young. He's barely played. And my logic over Bosa was simply, it is. It's not arguable whose ceiling is higher between the two of them. This kid has just got a chance to be really special. Like he. How do you not? You watch that clip. How do you not root for? Who's not rooting for Quinn and Williams? He just seems like the nicest guy. Everyone likes him. Big gentle giant, always smiling. I'm, I'm a big fan. Uh, me I know too, that, yeah. and I don't even know that much about him. Besides, I just I like the player, and I bless you, thank you. <laughs> I, I would imagine what I, what I'd be fascinated to know. Hmm. Who was the number one defensive player in the Jets board? 
Was it Nick Bosa or was it Quentin Williams? And you know what's kind of sucks. This guy's gone because he works for the Raiders and he doesn't give us his board. Who was Mike Mayock's favorite defensive lineman? Yeah. You don't think it was uh, Furl? Well, I, I don't think it was who? Cleveland Furl. Well, no, not once Mike Mayock's like, yeah, we we would have loved to take him at twelve, but you know you gotta get a buyer. <laughs> I I think they like Cleveland Farrell, but. You, I know for a fact those two guys were above them. I just wonder if they would have the opportunity at pick two, which of the guys would they have picked? I'd assume they take Bosa just because they need edge, kind of like the 49ers, again, in theory. But it's not. In today's game, guy, pass rush, pass rush, I, I, I think. You know, and I, I know a lot of quarterbacks say that it's harder to deal with the guy coming up the middle. Because, like, if if – if Aaron Donald was in this draft, the Niners would have taken Aaron Donald, right? Knowing what they know now? <laughs> yes, knowing what they oh, know okay. now. Yeah. Yeah. I, look, I hope Nick Post has some of those plays. I hope and, – and people don't – I hope Cleveland – I hope we watch Hard Knocks and Cleveland Furl's got four of those plays. Like, we watch these games. I want them to be good. Well, I want well, the players to be good. He doesn't, guy, because as Vic Tafer's writing, Trent Brown's killing him every. Well, day. that's good, John. They spend a lot of money on Trent Brown. You know, iron yeah, sharpens all, iron sharpens iron. Middlecoff. But we knew Trent Brown was good. I, I'd like the little flash of of Cleveland. Yeah, well, you let him what, get there. What did Derek say? His defining attribute is hard work. Up we early? don't know. We don't know if he's any good, but hard work. <laughs> Derek, just let the guy play. Yeah, Jesus. All right. Well, I'm not going to even. Old guy would have tried to tamp down his own. Uh, yeah, it was, it's optimism. Uh, but I, new guy's like, yeah, whatever. I was fired up by that video. I go, well, time for Nick, and I'm not going to apologize for it, even if it's kind of illogical. It's it, fine. It, but it just it it cannot be argued. Oh yes. The just Bosa's got to come through and make some fucking plays. Yeah. So so when I first saw the video and I thought, how is this a topic? I, you you said it. And I'm I'm fine with doing the Odell thing. I'm not one that's been mad about that at all. Uh, but like, we don't have to go to Odell. It's so it's right there in front of us. Yeah. And, and at the end of the day, it's fun for me to talk about, and I like talking about it because the Giants said they had to do that. But it was clear the Niners refu- like the number two. It was never an option. So the trade talks kind of got only got to a certain point because they were never giving up that pick. So if you want to counter me by like Middlecoff, it it was not an option. Because the Niners weren't going to do it. Though, my counter's always been, well, I would have thought about doing it. But, I think we can just compare them. And we've always been able to do this. But now that we got this video, it's on like Donkey Kong. Like, I'm comparing these two fucking players. I'll give you another guy that, and maybe it's because I follow, do you follow Jenna, who works at ESPN, that covers the Bucks? Blonde hair girl. I mean, she, lady, female, lady. She's older. She's awesome. She's a great follow. And uh, she constantly tweets out stuff. Just at Bucks practice. You know who's always fucking making plays? Always is Devin White. I mean, just every day kicking ass. Jameis running for his life with 40 chasing after him. Like, God, this guy's a beast. I haven't seen any Josh Allen. But again, I have not seen one clip of the Jags. So I, I can't. I, not one clip of the Jags. I have yet to see. If it wasn't for me asking you the other day before we recorded a podcast. I, I, I don't even know that they exist right now. But two rookies, that's now that that's the first clip I've seen of Quinn and Williams, but I've seen a lot of Devin White. Now I follow a Tampa Bay the ESPN reporter that follows them, but still, 
Like, it's not everyday Mike Evans or whoever. It's Devin White. Fucking dominating. So, I, I've been to a Niner practice. Didn't really notice him. I follow every Niner person with a, with a pulse. I, I don't know how many clips you've seen, guy. Or even just hype. Like, oh, Nick Bosa, pads on, kicking Staley's. At, I, I haven't seen it. Yeah. I'm just waiting. And I, Middlecoff, you hate him. You want him to fail. No. He's here now. The better he is, the better it is for my entertainment purposes, for our podcast. I'd like him to be a double-digit sack guy. I don't see it. I don't. If I told you, is Quentin Williams rookie of the year off the one clip? Well, but I think it's fair, guy. I mean, in all seriousness, like week one. What if Devin White just has not? Even if the Niners win, you're like, God, this guy's fucking just making plays everywhere, and Nick Bosa doesn't do anything. Is right. that fair to judge off of yes, an initial game? Of course. Because you better believe we'll of be course. judging. It's, it's not that you've reached the final conclusion, but it's it's one week, your first week conclusion. Absolutely. Uh, speaking of uh, expectations, the Niners one week conclusions. Marcus Thompson uh, wrote a piece uh, at the Athletic about uh, Jimmy G and patience, and I did a shallow dive on the article. Um, and uh, read through it. Didn't do a deep dive. Did a shallow dive. Skimmed it. Um, always. That's what millennials do. We do Marcus shallow always, dives. Guy. Marcus always gets a click at minimum and uh, often a read because he's good. But uh, one of the things he wrote, and you were saying this to me before the podcast, is like, look, for all the stuff we expect, one of Marcus's points was this guy is still coming off an ACL. And some of what he needs is the patience that might not be there for him. I ran into a practice the other day. He's like, God, these are kind of boring. I'm like, yeah, they are. <laughs> they're, they're a lot more fun unlike, in yeah, theory yeah, and unlike than when you're actually there. Outside. Yeah, they're just 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 take it as like you got outside and did something more than, God, the training camp, we had a full live scrimmage. and No, it's not. That shit doesn't happen Well, anymore. this is the other thing is like at, where you get spoiled around basketball, Marcus, is I'm sure he knows this, right? Is like there's only a handful of players and every single one that talks is like an all-star. Right, you go to Warriors practice. Yeah. Like, who's talking today? Oh, not Draymond, but Stephen Clay. Okay, cool. Yeah, who, who are we bringing out today, Bob? Uh, Mike Pearson, starting right guard. It's like, uh, is Iguodala around? <laughs> Cal, I'd like to talk to Iguodala. I don't want to talk to Mike Pearson. That's, that's why Middlecoff gets in his car and he leaves, and he goes to swing by Togo's on the way home. But I think with Jimmy G, no Hall of Famers, Demarcus Cousins though. Oh, okay. Cool. <laughs> there, there was a video. Yesterday of Jimmy G in the red zone, and it's just he threw a touchdown pass to Pettis. But if you watch it, the Niners tweeted it out. He goes through his progressions. The th- he gets to his fourth progression in less than a second. I mean, boom, boom, bang. And the field in the red zone is way a lot wider than it is long. You do not have much time, and I think it shows you just because everyone's like, Middlecoff, you're blowing Jimmy. No, I'm just pointing out how impressive, like just how hard this is, whether it was Jimmy or whether it was Phillip Rivers, a red zone rep is. It's moving at rapid pace. Quarterback has to go like right to left at warp speed. And you see that, and I think the casual fan, oh, Jimmy's our quarterback, he's back. He did tear his ACL less than a year ago. You know the third preseason game is in Kansas City? Hmm. I, we, I think, yeah, you did, because we've talked about it before, but... That's kind of wild. I mean, the scene of the crime. And I, and I think we just, we often forget, and we do it with any quarterback that comes back. We did it with Derek a couple years ago, just because once you start taking reps, he's just like, he's back. Now he is back, and he's a full go, but he is coming back from a torn ACL. 
And the other guy, and we keep talking about where's Jarek McKinnon? Where's Jarek McKinnon? I got news for you. More than likely, Jarek McKinnon, you're never going to see much from him. No, I'm not. Because you know what happens a lot when a guys get injured? I know Clay said yesterday, because <laughs> he was pissed off, everyone's been talking shit about the Warriors. He's like, I'm going to come back 120%. I'm going to be better than ever. Yeah. <laughs> he's, just got, he's getting worked up. And more than likely, he's right. And he's a bigger, thicker guy, and he'll probably be fine. Jarek McKinnon's slight of build, and his knee might never be the same. And he might have had a perfect ACL surgery. You know what happens sometimes with humans? We don't recover from certain injuries at the highest level of athletics. Like, if he was just Guy Haberman or John Middlecoff, his life would be fine. Yeah, he could still be walking around. Could still play pickup hoops once a week, play some golf. He he could do whatever. It wouldn't even phase him. He's trying to run outside zone and get there faster and de-forward, and the next day his knee swells up. He's like, what the fuck? I've never had my knee swell up in my life. Welcome to just injuries. Some guys do. And I think, I'd say the most positive thing, right, is there hasn't been anything with Jimmy. No knee swelling, no anything. That's good. It just might have been a freak deal. He's going to be 100% fine. Think of the quarterbacks. Hell, the best quarterback ever, right, towards ACL. And he's had the best half of his career post-ACL, right, from 09 till somehow he's still going, Tom Brady. Yeah. fine. Yeah. I'm trying to think of, have there been other quarterbacks off the top of your head? Tannehill was never that good. Uh, well, you talking about an ace specifically? ACL I'm just trying to think like the last ten years of quarterbacks that have torn ACLs. It's it's not that many. Romo always had other injuries. Bridgewater had a much worse injury. I don't. I, don't, I can't think of well, many starter Wentz, quarterbacks. I mean, Wentz. Wentz is one, and he came back. He just wasn't as good. But he didn't have physical. His physical issues were other parts of his body. Yeah, you're right, Wentz. I was Car- like, God, I know there's another Carson, quarterback. Carson. Palmer. Palmer. He came back, had a good career. Sam Bradford. Never the same. He, he, I think there's a good example of someone that just, whose knee, remember two years ago, the Monday night game, when Carson Palmer, first game of the season, he's playing for Minnesota, and you're like, damn. Sam or Bradford. Not, excuse me, Sam Bradford playing for Minnesota. Like, maybe he's actually decent. Because I remember he, he was just super accurate. Was I think like, they won it like the game. Wasn't like 19-20 or something crazy like that? He had a, I just remember he had a stretch of like back-to-back drives. I'm like, this is the number one pick. I see it now. I, I get it. I get it. And then I think two days later, when they were supposed to practice on Wednesday, his knee had flared up. And it was just simply his knee was like Jarek McKinnon's knee, like probably the majority of humans' knees. It just couldn't take it. Now, hadn't he had a couple things? Hadn't he had both knees? Yeah, it felt like he had, but we are by no means... RG3? He's another guy that was never the same, but he had a really bad one. Remember, tried to come back early. Let's just see if we can make it through a season where you never get one, you know, his knee flared up. Right. Because I would say, even if he played 16 games, is it just 100% smooth sailing with the knee? That, That would be impressive. That would be a major win. Right, there was never a knee flare up. He had to miss a couple of practices in like week six, just because the wear and tear of a quarterback coming back from the knee. He's already putting in a lot of work just to practice. He practices in the spring now, limited, but he's been full go here. Who did I see? I, did D, is D Ford sitting out Forty ers practice on Friday with with a little uh, knee soreness? Did I see that? Yeah, I think he he had a little tendonitis. Uh, knee tendonitis. Mm, 
Mm -hmm. See, that's yeah, exactly. That's I'm with you. Like that's people go, eh, it's not a big deal. I I'm to me, it's not nothing. I know this. Kansas City just got him to games. He was not. He's not a super practice guy. Not because he doesn't want to practice, because physically he's broken down in the past. So they just managed him perfectly so that all they cared about was Sunday with him. I think the Niners, when you get a new toy, and same with D, he's going to want to practice. He's going to want to be the team leader, a team captain type guy. That's not his deal. The, the, do you know the riskiest part to me about the Niners is obviously Jimmy and Jimmy's health. But let's say I assume you know Jimmy finally gets over the hurdle and is healthy. Well, their two biggest offseason acquisitions, D Ford and drafting Nick Bosa at number two, if they got combined 32 total games out of the two of them, 16 each, what would be a win? Like 25? Wait, get 25 combined games from Jimmy and D Ford? No. Uh, D Ford and Nick Bosa. No. That's, that's an L. That's an L? 25 combined games? So that means they're each missing a couple. That's bad, right? Well, yeah, I, again, yeah, seven, I'm trying to be conservative it's combining here. combining se- seven missed games combined. Like, they're not deep enough for that. And one of them is the number two overall pick. The other one, was they paid. Like, no. You, I'd, no I'd, you, rather, I, I'd rather it's Bosa plays, if I'm them, Bosa plays 16, and the guy we paid who's hurt, like, we're just going to have to deal with that money. But it can't be Bosa missing four games. I, I, but I'd say that'd be pretty bad. You gave up a second-round pick for this guy, and he's already missing half the season? Yeah, it'd be awful. <laughs> You're right. My 25 number's low, even though when I said it, I actually feels high. You think these guys are going to sniff like 32 games combined? Like they're all going to play every game? No, but I, I mean, I don't know. I'm just saying, like, that's not good. Like, there's no scenario where you're like, well, you know, it's cool. Like, he's been hurt. As long as we get something out of him. Like, no. Like, the Jimmy thing a is some, The Jimmy thing to me is somewhat out of their control, whether he stays healthy or not. Like, Let's say he gets injured. He was just destined to always be an injured guy, but will always understand everything they did for him. Like, I get it. The other two guys, well, you traded a second-round pick for this guy and then paid him a lot, and then you drafted a questionable guy when you could have drafted another guy, number two overall. I think there's way more pressure on those two players than Jimmy. Now, the success of the team relies more on Jimmy, but Jimmy's health... Like, if he has another broken leg or something, it'd just, it'd just be a, you know what turns out? He's Brian Tannehill. Sucks, but we understood it. The other two guys, you could have gone different directions. Like, there wasn't really another direction to go with Jimmy. Like, you were offered him for the second-round pick. It was a no-brainer. You had to pay him. Whatever. I get it. But I also the think other- there's a difference between, like, you, D. Ford was... Like, he's, he's had a significant injury history, right? Major. So then he had back surgery. So he had back surgeries. He's just, he's just a smaller player in general. So he's just yeah. They, that just, would be the one. Like Jimmy breaks his leg. What you know? What what? Now I, I think you know what Lynch would tell you. I just brought up his game logs. 14, 16 games. 15, 14 games. Sixteen, fifteen games. Seventeen was the injured season. He only played six. Last year he played sixteen games. Now Andy would tell you, well, we manage it. We don't ask him to practice every day in training camp. We're not trying to make him a hero here. Yeah. And I think when you're a new player on a new team and you have some pride and you're a good guy, like I've heard D Ford's high character guy, you're not into like, when you're not like some established Khalil Mack or whatever, you're not just, well, can you put me on a plan? I'm going to practice two out of the five days a week. You don't really do that. Mm-hmm. 
because everyone would kind of look at you like a fraud, right? But you're like, in in a perfect world, what's D Ford practicing for? Yeah. Like I, I would make him very limited moving forward. Like Jimmy has to practice, right? You have no choice because your offense functions around the guy. And Jimmy needs the reps. Doesn't have to play I, in the preseason, though. And you've been saying it since the beginning. And uh, the closer we get, the more I, I... I still stand by everything I've said for the last several weeks about why I think it could be valuable. But in the end now, it just... We'll see. I, well, I, I got two guys that would not play a preseason game for me would be Jimmy Garoppolo and D Ford. 100% D Ford ain't playing a preseason but why game. is Joe Staley playing a preseason? Why is Mike McGlinchey playing a preseason? Why is well, I probably, I probably wouldn't start... Yeah, that, nope. Bo, I might let Bosa play a Bosa, series. I would, or, I would play Bosa. Yes. Yeah, some quarters. Just so we can get... So Haberman and Milkoff can see a video of him knocking somebody over and freak out about it. Yeah, I mean, rookies play in the preseason. Well, they got to know... They got to figure out what's going on, too, right? Just yeah, fundamentally. Reps in the defense. Yeah, exactly. Uh, okay, other NFL headlines... What'd you like? I usually start. You you start. You start. What'd you like? What's been going on? Uh, oh, come on. Actually, I told you you yeah. could start, but come on. You can't. I mean, unless you're going to start with the one I want to start with. Have you ever been around a human with a kidney stone? Uh, uh, not like while they're about to pass it, no. Like growing up, your dad ever have one? Not that I rem- No, I don't think so. I vividly remember... I don't know exactly how old I was. It feels like I was a little younger, maybe like elementary school, 10, 11, 12, maybe early high school. My dad was bedridden for two days, like moaning. I remember coming home, I could hear him moaning. And maybe the drugs have gotten dramatically better. This was probably, you know, mid-90s. And it was clearly really painful. You just kind of left him alone. And he would kind of hobble out, get a little food, and hobble back. And you've heard stories, like I had people tweeting me yesterday, like, it can't be argued that a kidney stone is more powerful than a baby because no human in the history of kidney stones has ever wanted another kidney stone where people constantly have other babies. And things are not supposed to come out of there. So it is a well-documented extreme pain for a male, that, and I think females actually can get them too, but it's a male thing that no male that has experienced it would ever wish upon their worst enemy and ever wants to have happen to them again. This guy coached the most meaningless preseason game of the preseason because it's like an extra one. You still get four more if you're them. And he coached through it. He coached through a kidney stone. He had not passed the kidney stone. I, that, I, couldn't, I couldn't believe that. Now, he he told Michelle Tafoya, I got some special He was on the drops. good stuff. Yeah. Yeah, so, I mean... No, Cam Morrell tweeted out me, said, well, your dad didn't have Tortorol. Yeah. <laughs> so maybe he had Tortorol, some pills or whatever. But that's – buddy with the Bears was – yeah, I'm not shocked at all. He's the tough, toughest motherfucker around. In his def- – like, not in his defense, but it is the first preseason game he's ever gotten to coach as the head coach. Well, you completely understand from his side where you're like, I'm not missing this game. Like, sh- give me something. I'm coaching this game. But my thing was, like, the thing still has to pass – well, Michelle said at the beginning of the game, if it does really creep up and gets to the point, he will leave. I guess sometimes it break; they can break it up with like little lasers and stuff. But I don't. Oh, there's only so much uh, they can do. He, whether he succeeds or fails, no one will ever question this little curmudgeon old guy defensive coach's toughness. Right? He's a <laughs> tough motherfucker. You know, my first thought was when 
I read that story was like, how many coffees and or sodas per day has he been drinking for how many years that has helped contribute to the buildup of, you know, all these little particles? Well, I think like, you know, not drinking enough water. Sometimes you just get it anyway. But a lot of soda, a lot of coffee, a lot of tea, like all that stuff. Not Not enough water. Flush it out. Stuff just builds up. I think is a contributing factor, but I'm I'm no doctor. But I just think like how how many coffees? Do, I talked to a guy the other day who told me he drinks ten coffees a day. He's in the restaurant business. He drives from the East Bay to the city. He said he stops because he'll drink two cups of coffee before he leaves the house. He says he stops every day at Treasure Island to pee. <laughs> Wait, so he has to stop halfway across the bridge to pee. That's how much coffee he's had before he even commutes in the morning. Is it like because it's super backed up and he's not going to make it? Well, I just think it's just the timing of his. Yeah, maybe it's like a forty-five minute drive for him. I don't know. It's just it's going to happen. He two cups before he leaves the house. He's going to have to. You just can't get it all out before you leave the house. Good restaurant. Uh, yeah, yeah. You got a name of the restaurant? or You don't want to give it out. Uh, what'd you get at the restaurant? No. Oh, where did I eat? Oh, you were just eating with the guy. Yeah, he wasn't I, met, necessarily... I met the guy at dinner at House of oh, Okay, got, got, got you, got you, got you. Yeah, I, I would imagine Fangio, just look at him, isn't you know the pillar of health. Uh, I saw they asked Kevin Hogan after the game. They're like, be the first to say I had no clue Kevin Hogan, one, was still in the league and definitely didn't know he was on the Broncos. He started the game. This is the thing that pissed me off about Fangio a little bit. Like, I understand Kevin Hogan's been in the league a little longer. May understand your offense a little better. How do you, if, if Flacco's not going to start, how does Drew Locke now start the game with the ones? Well, is it possible that Kevin Hogan's better right now than Drew Locke? No, guy. Kevin Hogan is fucking atrocious. Player. See, I mean, he put the ball in Juwan Winfrey's hands. He put the ball on Noah Fant's hands. Like, okay. I- well, maybe, yeah, like, as of, as we sit here right now, he's slightly better. But again, like, that's a Fangio move. That pisses me off. I well, can see Fangio driving new school people a little nuts. Yeah. I get it. But they asked Kevin Hogan after the game, what do you think about your coach coaching through what he was going through? Kevin's like, what are you talking about? He's like, he had kidney stones and he coached the game. And Hogan basically said, oh my God, I we had no idea. He didn't mention anything. And of, I mean, of course, what's Vic Fangio going to do? Hold a team meeting? Like, that's he's the opposite Well, maybe you hear him no screaming. No find out. <laughs> Would it have been really legendary if he passed it on the field during the game and oh just kept coaching? Oh, my God. <laughs> Would he have got credit if there was some dribble on his pants and he passed it? <laughs> oh, my God. Would that have been an all-time viral moment for social media? Kidney stone passed it's and like, it like fell out the bottom of his, of his khakis? You know, you know I don't you even see, know. What do they look like? You know, where they're like, I, I think they're, you know, they're relatively tiny. It's just the hole they're going through is even smaller. Um, yeah. I just, you know, when you see like a little kid, you're like, what's going on over there? And the kid's like standing in the corner, you realize the kid's pooping, and they just like got that look on their face, like a toddler and just standing there. There'd be a shot. It would just be a Vic just fucking staring the thing down, basically, flexing up for 20 seconds. It'd be legendary. It would, that would be legendary. Because, you know, there's not a lot of crowd noise at the game. You could just hear, you just heard through one of the like sideline mics, like, ah! <laughs> and you look, and Vic is just, I don't know, is wild. I'm rooting for him to have some success. Now, Willie, I, I'm not confident, but I'm rooting for him. You know, if what? right now, if you had to go over under two and a half years head coach, Vic Fangio, I'd go two years. 
You think he's two and done? Yeah. Well, they hadn't missed the playoffs right in back-to-back years since, like, 83. Now they're two years removed. So if they missed this year, it would be three. People are getting really antsy. Like, Bronco fans, sneaky, have, like, Yankee-level standards. I, I think people have been freaking the fuck out about missing the playoffs. Like, this is not like the Raiders. Like, we just want to go 500! Like, they expect to go to the playoffs at minimum every other year. Well, you know what? They, they feel to me like Packer fans, right? Well, they're, to me, they're a little, like... Is this going to come out wrong? A little more, I was going to say more educated. It might be the wrong word. But just a little more got it together, Packer fan. Because Packer fans were wearing the cheese head a little crazier. Yeah, I just mean like there are there are fan base who's like, we got to win Super Bowls, which is cool. But I just think like sustained success is part of what we think of there. It's just, you know, we, we want to win Super Bowls. But for us, it's just we just used to be in, in the mix every year. Right, if the pack, if you told me the Packers had been to the last eight playoffs, I think it it wouldn't be as weird around them. But it's just they've had like some blow up seasons. Um, the standard when you have all time great quarterbacks is just so. Well, hard. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna read you wins since '96: 13, 12, 14, 6, 11, 8, 9, 10, 10, 13, 9, 7, 8, 8, 4, 8, 13, 13, 12, 12, 9. And then the last two years have been a disaster. There, there's a lot of double digits and a lot of eights and nines. Like, if you have a lot of eights and nines, part of the reasons, like, Niners fans got so down on Jed for multiple periods of time, it's like, fans don't like going through, like, fours and fives. That means the season is a fucking disaster and shitty to watch. When you give me, like, eights and nines, I can kind of live through it a little bit, right? Right, right. Like, well, a, I think there's nine a and seven missed playoffs. I think there's pride when eight is your bad. Big time. Like when you have, like the Niners or the Broncos had a weird stretch here from 06 to 11, where it went 9, 7, 8, 8, 4, 8. Kind of sucked, but it wasn't that shitty, right? And they got a little lucky. They were able to make the playoffs a couple times with like an 8 and 8 and a 9 and 7. They've benefited. So their, their record is a little skewed. Like the Tim Tebow year, guy, they won a division at eight and eight. Won a division at eight and eight. Yeah. Didn't Seattle win it at seven and nine the one year, and then they won a playoff game? How about Drew? That's Lo- pretty shitty. How about Drew? Uh, yes, that's correct. How about Drew? Lo- they beat the Saints, right? Yeah, there's the run by Marshawn. How about Drew Locke's quote after the game? Uh, I'll rate it as a learning game. There's things to learn out there. Uh, but it was the Hall of Fame game. It wasn't the Super Bowl. It wasn't the playoffs. So there's a lot of things for me to learn. Not a huge fan of that attitude. Me either. No. Like, yeah, we um, all know it was the Hall of Fame game. We get it. I am completely taking this. Maybe if you watched his full like context of totally. his talk, you uh, would, yes, you're right. So I, I'll be. I'm gonna. I'm gonna red flag my comment. I'm completely out on Drew Locke after that comment. <laughs> completely out. <laughs> like that's bad, man. I, I, like you yeah. said, we should allow for it. Just could have just been, maybe it doesn't come off. Do you know, like you know what reads, I would but. really like, guy? I was terrible. I put my standards are way higher than I played. I'm gonna this not is even not, my standards. Just like I was, I guess I got to be better. It was a learning experience. But don't do the like defensive. Hey, it wasn't the Super Bowl. Yeah, man, we know it wasn't the Super Bowl. That's kind of the yeah, point. No shit, buddy. 
Like, is is there a little telling why the guy fell to the second round with all these elite talents? Like, how do you know what the Super Bowl is like? Why are you bringing up the Super Bowl? Yeah, bro, you played in Missouri. Do you guys even make a bowl? What, what bowl have you played in? That's Could the Elway downfall be he just consistently picks the worst quarterback? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And is it easy to see why maybe Fangio hates this kid? All right, I, can I give you? Can I give you another? One? Well, no, you go ahead. I've got one that's not uh, NFL related, so I'll hold it. Uh, well, Dallas rap sheet, who it feels like is kind of in bed with Zeke's people, said that it could be a couple months for Zeke. I mean, if it's a couple months, that's Jerry's kind of got a problem on his hands. I did see Jerry yesterday. I don't know if he if Jerry gets a press conference every day. He clearly just talks a lot. Maybe I should email him, see if I can just get him on an interview. That he said, like, when have I ever not been able to get a deal done? Yeah. And it was a great quote, because he is like, you guys are all freaking out. Like, I, I this is what I fucking do deals for a living. But I do think Zeke's people are kind of talking a big game. Like, we ain't showing back up for unless they're giving us a lot of money. Now, if you're not there by August 6th, you don't cure the season. But I think guys like Zeke aren't they're not worried about free agency because they know they're not hitting free agency. It's about getting their money. Right. Right? Right. Like Melvin Gordon knows the Chargers aren't just going to get rid of him. So they're not freaking out over that date. Though I kind of would because the NFL team will screw you. you. So do you, if you had to guess right now, do you think Zeke misses games? Week one? I would be a little shocked, wouldn't you? I I would be surprised, yes, but there was a comment a couple days ago. I flip on NFL Network, and you know how like it'll be DJ Lindsey Jones like rap sheet like a random camp, and they'll ask some questions just about other stuff, especially when rap sheets there about other stuff going on in the league. And rap sheet's like, I got some new information on Zeke. He's in Cabo, or whatever they they knew where he was. He's working out with a ton of NFL players. I'm like, well, Ian. He's actually not work. He's working out with former NFL players. NFL players are at work now. They're in the, in the NFL. NFL season. They're at training camp. Like the league started, so he's not working out with any NFL players unless Clowney maybe is there. He's working out with former guys. So let's not act like you know he's super locked in. He's just training with a bunch of dudes, getting ready for the season. No, he is. All the dudes that are training are with their fucking teams. You know, beside like three guys. Because how many guys are holding out right now? Clowney, Melvin Gordon. Zeke, Michael Thomas is back. Malcolm Jenkins held out in the spring, but I think he's back too. It's a short list. Oh, the pass rusher for the Jags, Umdakwe. I can never say his name, but he's pretty good. So it's there's like six Trent Williams, like a handful of guys holding out. The rest of NFL players, guy, are in the NFL. <laughs> like the Niners just finished practice I think the Raiders been done for an hour like practices are concluding all around the league they were their team training with the coaches with the actual NFL not Zeke's Mexico trip I do give Zeke a little you know fuck it if I'm gonna hold out I'm just gonna stay at home let's go somewhere the, get it sponsored maybe the Trent like uh, uh, White Claw yeah would that be a bad look like Zeke, his uh, his holdout is presented by White Claw. Like Zeke, 
Yeah, sorry, Jared. We have to hold out until at least uh, August twenty uh, first because that's how long the contract with White Claw goes. Would it be bad? Promo if it was code like, Zeke. Yeah, Zeke's Zeke's holdout is sponsored. By Baskin Robbins or sponsored by Pizza. Oh, that'd be, that'd be trouble. <laughs> like, what is he doing? Because he, you know, there have been some question marks that his weight can balloon a little bit. Because mm-hmm. he, he's built like a little tank, but he can become a little chubby fast. Well, he's, he's always had the kind of chubbier face. He's got the weird thing where it looks like if you see a t shirt, he's got a stomach, but then the stomach, even though it protrudes, it's got abs. Yeah. He's got Maybe a it's just his body. abs are jacked. I don't yeah. quite understand that one. He's good. I, he's fine. Um, uh, you know, the Trent Williams one is interesting because it's not just a money thing, right? Like, he was mad about... He hates him. About the medical staff, which I don't... Like, did you see what Champ Bailey said? How the... He played his first five years, obviously, in Washington. He said he didn't... The the uh, Washington... Like, Denver, obviously, they love him. He went... He's Washington did not... Nobody congratulated him until three days ago on the Hall of Fame election. Like, none of the, organ- like the, organization, the organization did not... Yeah, congratulate him. Not a tweet or anything? I Nobody texted nothing until three days ago. Like he spent five he, years there. Do you know that? You know what the trade was? I saw Lewis tweeted this out. Yeah, well, and I defended Washington a little bit. It when was Champ Bailey Portis. was traded to the Denver Broncos. For Clinton it Portis. It was Champ right? Bailey and a second round pick, though, for Clinton Portis. Oh, wow. But I Googled Clinton Portis' first two years in the league. He ran for like 3,100 yards and had a combined like 30 touchdowns. Well, and I played him a lot in Madden because that was our freshman year of college. His yeah. last year in the Broncos. He was like a dominant player. And this is back when running backs mattered. Because I was like, Lewis, because Lewis just hates Washington because they fired him. So he was kind of making fun. Like, don't ever forget a team once traded a Hall of Famer and a second for a running back. Well, Lewis, Google Clinton Portis. Clinton Portis was really good. And then even for Washington, I think he had Google three 1,200 seasons. Clinton Portis was a dominant player. You told him to Google Clinton Portis. <laughs> like, I remember, John, I'm I mean, that's, you. wouldn't you say that's one of the, that is one of the blockbuster trades in NFL history? Because well, there's two players in their prime. Cl- trading Clinton Portis guy, to me, after year two would be like if Alvin Kamara got traded right now for Jalen Ramsey. Like, just let's just do a hypothetical right now. Jalen Ramsey traded for Alvin Kamara today. And a pick thrown in on one of the sides. Wouldn't that be pretty nuts? Yeah. Because usually you get like Khalil Mack traded for first rounders, right? Uh, Jalen Ramsey, if Jalen Ramsey got traded, which is not out of the question. Let's say he gets traded next week. Jalen Ramsey's traded to the Seattle Seahawks for their first round pick. Like, okay, that's usually the way trades kind of work. Usually don't see. Saquon Barkley has been traded for DeForest Buckner and Nick Bosa. Or, you know, something like, you're like, damn. That's that's what the NFL does lack. Yeah. Because we see now more trade deadline trades, but they're just Golden Tate traded for a third-round pick, which is bold, but the third-round pick is kind of hollow. You're like, oh, then that becomes a player. But I want more. Golden Tate's been traded for Michael Kendricks. Shit like that. Those are the trades that I like that don't happen enough in the NFL. Yep. That trade was yeah. You can talk shit about that trade all you want, Lewis. I love that trade. I wish that trade happened in 2019, whatever the equivalent is. You remember Clinton Portis off the? You remember like all the outfits? Well, yeah, he became a weird dude. No, but no, I'm telling I just, you, guys, I was not did, even criticizing you, it. I'm just saying, do you remember like he what like before we had social media? He, there was some social media, I think. 
He would have been, but he was ahead of his time. He was I'm really kind of. Can I just read you Clinton Portis's first four years in the NFL? So, so the first one was in Denver, and the second one, or just the first one? Yeah. So okay. drafted second round, 2002-2003, 21, 22 years old. Rookie year, 273 carries, 1,500 yards, 15 touchdowns, five and a half yards a carry. Averages almost 94 yards a, a game from the ground. Also chimed in with 33 catches, which back then was a lot. 2003, 290 carries, 1591 yards, again, 5.5 yards per carry and 14 touchdowns, 38 catches. His first two years, back when running backs really mattered, it looked like he's going to be one of the greatest running backs of all time. Then he goes to Washington, back-to-back years, 1,300 yards, 1,500 yards, they're giving him the ball a lot more, though. 340 carries and 350 carries. Wow. So, I mean, his first three years, guy, 1,500, 1,500, 1,500. There, there had to be, I bet if we Googled just some articles, like, could this guy become the all-time leading rusher? We're talking about sixth, you know, 6,500 yards through four seasons. He's on pace for... He had he his career ended. He rushed for ninety nine hundred yards. Where's That's, that on the all time list? It's got to be pretty high. I mean, how many rushers right now besides like Frank Gore? You think Christian McCaffrey or Alvin Kamara will have a run for ninety nine hundred yards total? They they average like a, a less than a thousand yards a season. So Portis is thirty second. Thirty one guys have run for ten thousand plus. Emmett, Walter, I mean, top of the list, right, is like 18 Emmett, 16 Walter, 15 Barry Sanders. The, well, the guy, looking at his numbers, one, two, th- his first four years, and then he had two more big years in Washington. It was really just seven good years, and he was 32nd. He, he's, he was just probably one year away. Like, if I added 1,000 yards to Clinton Portis, where where would, so you know, yeah, so 10-9? If he's like almost a let, 10-9 gets him... 22nd work done's at 10-9. So he, he was just one more powerful year away from being right in the top 20. And again, short-lived career. Nine seasons. But for a running back, is nine that short? Well, his problem was, is his fifth year in the league, he must have got hurt because he only played eight games. Yeah. So work. if he just would have packed on one more thousand yards... To like fifteen hundred, yeah, he would have been right there. In the well, like Warwick Dunn was twelve years, mostly played like eleven, like played like eleven and a half. Uh, Ricky Waters was nine years, basically. Thurman Thomas. I like Ricky Waters, but Clinton Port's a better player. Yeah, thirteen hundred yards for Thurman Thomas. I mean, uh, uh, Hall of Famer. Thir- uh, twelve hundred yards, thirteen years. Where's Frank Gore on this list? Uh, fourth. Seriously? Yeah, Emmett, Walter Payton, Barry Sanders, Frank Gore. Where's Adrian Peterson? Eighth. Damn, fourth. How many? Who's third? John, Frank hasn't retired, right? No, he's on the Bills. So Frank is... Frank could finish... Frank could be third on this. He, I mean, he'll probably pass... How many yards does he need? Well, I'm doing the math right here. Needs about 500 yards to pass Barry Sanders. Think he's got 500 yards in him? If you had to guess, 
Guys, you got to love a good podcast. August so he, 2nd. he's five five twenty one from tying Barry Sanders. So he needs five twenty two. How, how many yards do you think Frank Gore had last year in Miami? Uh, like eight fifty. Yeah, seven twenty. Yeah, see, I think he could do five twenty. Well, his last two years, he was nine sixty in Indy, seven twenty. See, Frank's really hanging his hat on longevity. How does Frank not get in the in the Hall of Fame? Well, guy? John, of the inactive players in the top sixteen. Okay, the top 16, three guys are not in the Hall of Fame. One is Frank. He's active. One is Adrian Peterson. He's uh, in. Is he active? And Edrin Uh, James. James. (laughs) Is he in? No. No, but he's been on the fringe the last couple. He's a fringe guy. Is he? Feels like Frank Gore's career is better than Edrin James, right? Yeah, I mean, like, Edrin James is not going to be a Hall of Famer, right? No. Here, one, two... Three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Frank Gore is nine thousand yard res- receiving years. Think about that. That's pr- or I mean rushing years. That's pretty crazy. I'm rooting for Frank Gore and the Buffalo Bills. That's what we're going to be following this year on the podcast. Five hundred and twenty-two yards. That's what he needs to pass Barry Sanders. Do you think he does it? Yes. He is thirty-six years old. He was 35 last year. I don't feel, I don't feel as confident. I, I, I'd go 50-50. I'm not as confident. Oh, come on, Frank. Frank when Frank sets his mind to something, John. Yeah, I mean, Josh Allen can't, you know, hand the ball off. To Shady McCoy? I don't know if Shady's quite Shady anymore. He's like senior Shady. Um, got, old, got old fast. Okay, have you seen the video of all the kids uh, jumping the fence at Lollapalooza today? Uh, no, but I haven't been on Twitter in a couple hours. All right, somebody sent me this. Anybody, if you're listening, I'll send this to you right now. If you're listening, go watch this video because I want to break it down real quick with you, John. Um, because there's a couple, one thing stands out to me. It's like a swarm of kids. Where's Lollapalooza? Chicago? Or does, it, or does it move around? How do you spell Lollapalooza? I just texted you the video. Okay. Uh, and I'll tell everybody where to find uh Somebody named Jeremy Cohen tweeted the video. Okay, I'm losing in Chicago. Yeah. All right, so it's a swarm. I mean, this is like I don't know how many kids. I mean, it's got to be seventy kids, maybe. Fences break. Okay, but they break down the fence. Now one kid gets caught. I don't think it's a kid. I think it's like oh, I think it's almost an adult. But the police or the security is probably not even police. Now watch who the police officer elects to stop. The guy with one leg. The guy with a prosthetic leg. That's fucked up. I, I want to know who's playing at Lollapalooza. So you think that's uh, messed up? I don't know if it is or not. I just, I, I just, I just like that's like a like that's the police officer. Like you just, yeah. I think right that guy, when I saw the the demo of people jumping Lollapalooza, I knew it's not. You know, it's going to be younger people. It's like Ariana Grande. Okay. It's the Strokes, uh, Childish Gambino. Big fan of them. Chainsmokers. I have no clue who Childish Gambino is. So it's it's a younger kind of hipper crowd. You know you know who Childish Gambino is. Well, I'd probably know some of their songs. I, I just don't. When you say the name, no, I don't no, know no. Who it's they it's are. Donald. It's the it's Donald. You know Donald Glover, like the actor. That's Childish Gambino. What do you mean? Well, Donald Glover is an actor who you would recognize for sure. Who the goes old guy. by? Huh? 
Donald Glover? No, 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 not not uh, not <laughs> not, not the dude from Angels in the Outfield. <laughs> no. Oh yeah, I I know who Donald. I've seen Donald Glover. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, I've, that's, I've seen his. Uh, that's Danny Glover. You're thinking of? Yeah, Danny Glover. Is this his kid? Uh, I don't know. I don't think so. Let me check right now. Yeah, I, I've seen Donald Glover do shit. Yeah, you're right. But his is more like kind of DJ-ish, right? Donald Glover, the yeah. younger guy. Have you listened to Donald Glover? Have I heard Childish Gambino? I mean, I couldn't. That's his it. band. That's just his. That's what his music name is. Okay, okay, that makes sense. I yeah. I like then I like Donald Glover. Yeah, I, I think he's I just because he's a good actor. I'm a fan. Then no, he's, he's big time. Big, he's big multi talented. Okay, I, I like Childish Gambino then. See, so you you, you would have seen them. Yeah, uh, like, but again, if you just see if you just say that. Once I put a face, then I'm like, okay. I was like, Danny Glover? Is he still alive? Angel in the outfield? Do you think I would ever see Middlecoff as part of a crowd rushing a fence at a music festival? Zero chance. None. We're like every it dude, looked like, like the, every, the average age of like people a, jumping that. Wearing like a Lowry Markkinen jersey? It felt like the average age of people jumping the fence just off that video was probably like 19 years old. It wouldn't be Markkinen. It'd be like Bobby Portis or... yeah. Well, I mean, if I was young, it'd probably be a little off the beaten path. It'd, it'd be like... Uh, but it's got to be somebody that you get at a thrift store. So it wouldn't be Larry. Yeah, it might be like uh, Joakim Noah. You know, something that I oh, bought yeah. for like 10 bucks. There you go. It would be. An, that's a good one. You know, it'd, it'd be someone that... Because I'm not a big fan of wearing someone that's kind of a clown. Maybe that is like not good anymore, but then I can get his jersey for cheaper. So the guy had to be good at one point in time if I'm going to fucking throw on the jersey. Right. Because I, I couldn't throw on. Actually, I think Lori Markin is decent. But like, yeah, plus he's on, on the Bobby team Portis. now, so you wouldn't get that one as cheap. Yeah, like you would never find me, even if I was nineteen living in Chicago, I would never buy a Zach Levine jersey. It just he stands for everything that I despise. But to me, you run out there on a seven dollar Tony Kukoc that you got from Ross, one thousand like percent, or yeah. Horace Grant, or something like that's that. Hell, Steve Kerr. I, you might see me wearing a Steve Kerr. Definitely some of those guys from like. I'd, I'd go on if I was growing up in Chicago. Like, if I could get a seven dollars Jimmy Butler Bulls jersey, I'd wear that. I'd I'd wear the Noah one. Maybe like you see, D Rose got Godspeed on his neck. No, he got Godspeed tattooed on his is it, neck. Is it pretty big or? It's big. Yes. It's as I'd say a bold move, Cotton. It was unnecessary. I think. Uh, I think he's kind of not in the best place mentally at all t- points and times of a day. Okay, guy, I gotta eat. Time to eat. It's been real. Enjoy the weekend. Peace. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. 
Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.